Exodus chapter 2. Oh, I forgot to push the button. Let's try this. Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 through 25. That's going to be close to the beginning of your Bible. Second book of the Bible, right after Genesis. Still going to be in the first page or two on most of your Bibles, probably. I need to clear up something I said this morning in my sermon. I want to want to clear the air to make sure that everything is okay. My, my story about Michelle being happy that she was gone and, and saying I could do whatever I want to, I might have inadvertently uh, uh, implied that she's really hard on me and won't let me turn me... That's not what I was implying at all. So if, if you took that from it, she's not an evil person that will only let me eat certain things or makes me go to bed at a certain time. If that was implied in what I said, that is not true. I, what I was simply trying to imply is that when, when other people are in the house, you, you, you may not do certain things you used to do. Like I used to get up and play drums at midnight. You know, I don't do that now that Michelle's in the house. So I was implying with her not there, any of those wild hairs I may have had, you don't have to be considerate of other people. Not that she was a slave driver and made me do certain things. So I wanted to clear that. So tell anybody you see that may have a wrong idea, that, that didn't hear that, that I wanted to clear the air with that. That, that. She lets me eat what I want, stay up as late as I want. I can turn the TV up if I want. We're just going to move on from this because I've had a rough afternoon. <laughs> All right. She's a good wife and she does good things. So I was trying to make myself look bad and I might have inadvertently made her look bad. All right, so we're going to move on to more important things. Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 through 25. Now, uh, what we've seen so far in this overall journey that is the book of Exodus is we've seen a couple of, of, of small journeys in the big journey. We've, we've seen the journey of God's people from uh, the land of Canaan all the way down into the land of Egypt. We've seen the journey of, of God's people, the Israelites, go from, uh, go from being just a small group of people doing well in Egypt to being a group of people who are oppressed and enslaved in Egypt. So oh, we've seen kind of some transitions along the way. We've seen uh, the journey of a, of a Hebrew baby go from, from being born as a Hebrew to being in the palace of the Pharaoh. And so uh, we've covered these uh, few things just in the first few verses that we've read in the book of Exodus. And we, we got introduced last week to Moses who is uh, probably uh, the main character, I would say, apart from the Lord himself, in the book of Exodus, and, and, and maybe in the entire Bible. Moses is, is a name that we uh, see frequently. And so uh, last week we saw the birth of Moses, uh, that, uh, that his mother put him among the reeds in the Nile River, and Pharaoh's daughter found him and wanted to raise him. Lo and behold, uh, Moses' sister was watching at a distance, she uh so so uh so she snuck right in there just 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 so and said hey do you need me to find a hebrew uh, mother to nurse this child so lo and behold she goes and gets moses's own mother and she uh is able to nurse the child now we don't know how old moses was when he went to be in pharaoh's household we don't have a clue he could have been only a few months old he could have been a few years old and it's it's not a 
any extreme significance, but we just don't really know. Uh, the, the text is pretty vague on exactly how old he is, and, and we don't know a whole lot about the first 40 years of Moses' life, only very little bit, and that is his birth. And we're going to take up tonight in verse 11, and we'll read a few verses here and there, and we'll try to get our way through the end of the chapter. So let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Father God, we thank you for this word tonight, and I pray that there would be something here that we would get from it. I pray that you would help us to uh, learn from your servant Moses and, and be able to see how you're working, to be able to see how you put things into place and how you make things happen in your time, dear Lord, and, and help us to, to realize that maybe things that you're doing in our life are happening in your time, so help us just to be patient. Help us to see how you're going to use Moses and help us to see how maybe you want to use us in our lives, God. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Verse 11. Years later, after Moses had grown up, he went out to his own people and observed their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. Now, we've had a lot of ground that was covered between the time that, that Moses went into the house of Pharaoh until what's taking place now. Well, we know from Acts chapter 7, I believe, verse 23, in Stephen's sermon that he preaches there, he says that Moses was 40 years old when he went to Midian, which we're going to see here in a second, that he's going to a place called Midian. And so Moses would have been 40 years old at this time. So we've got a 30-something year gap, 35, 36, 37, 8, 9-year gap that we don't really know what happened to Moses. Now, you can find uh, lots of good, of good theories as to what Moses' life was like. You can watch the movie The Ten Commandments. You can watch uh, Moses' Veggie Tales. They probably got one of them. You can go to plays. We went to a play in Branson last year about Moses. And most of these plays or movies that you watch or shows you watch, they cover these years of Moses' life. But the reality is, is we just don't know. We don't know what Moses did. And in the movie, The Ten Commandments, it, 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 it really makes Moses look like he's a, a super nice guy and he's, he's growing up and he's even working out among the Hebrew people. And maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. That he was, he was above Pharaoh's other son and that even though he was not born an Egyptian, that he was the favorite of the Pharaoh at the time. And, and there are all these great theories that people have come up with, but we just don't know what Moses' life was like. It would appear as though from the text, at least in my reading of it, that Moses must have known that he was a Hebrew. And maybe not. He may not have. But just from the reading of this verse, it would appear as though Moses realized who his people were. By this point, he would have been an adult. He was 40 years old. And he would have been able to kind of understand what was going on. And what was going on at this point is the Hebrew people were enslaved and Moses being a Hebrew himself and living in the palace of Pharaoh, he probably began to see these things that were going on and they probably, probably brought about a lot of emotion in him. And so we see that taking place here in these verses, that he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. Verse 12, looking all around and seeing no one, he struck the Egyptian dead and hid him 
in the sand. So uh, Moses sees this Egyptian and he's beating one of the Hebrew workers and what Moses does is he strikes him dead. Now we don't know how that took place. Maybe he used a rock, maybe he used his fist, but whatever way. He saw an opportunity and he looked to make sure no one was looking and he used that opportunity to do something good, that is, keep a, a Hebrew from being beaten, but in the process, he did something bad, which is he took the life of an Egyptian. And so to try to cover this up, Moses covered the body up in the sand. He was trying to hide the evil that he had done. We get that. Well, hopefully nobody in here has ever killed somebody, but we understand that we like to try to cover up our wrongdoings in whatever way that may look like. There, we, we try to cover those things up that we shouldn't do so nobody will see, and that's what Moses was doing. Verse 13, The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, Why are you attacking your neighbor? Who made you a leader and judge over us? The man replied. Are you planning to kill me as you killed the Egyptian. Then Moses became afraid and thought, what I did is certainly known. When Pharaoh heard about this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. So now we're introduced kind of to this next leg of the journey of the book of Exodus. So Moses is a Hebrew, but he's, he's raised in Pharaoh's courts, and he's probably doing pretty good, probably doesn't have a lot of responsibilities, probably well taken care of, but he's not an Egyptian. He's out of place, but he sees the people who are his people, uh, they're enslaved, and so he's kind of torn. In trying to do something good and, and spare one of his Hebrew uh, people, he ends up killing an Egyptian, and now he's in the middle of a mess. When he sees the Hebrews fighting and he tries to break them up, they say, look, you're going to kill us like you kill the other guy. So the, so the Hebrews here didn't appear as they accepted Moses. And then we find out that Pharaoh is trying to kill Moses. So the family he grew up with is trying to kill him. His own people at this point, at least in my interpretation here, it appears as though they're not really accepting of him. And so now Moses has to flee. For 40 years, Moses has known this certain life, probably a good life, and now Moses' life is in jeopardy. He can't go to his own people. He can't stay in Pharaoh's household, so he flees to the land of Midian. Now, I don't know how familiar you guys are with geography and the map of, of that land, but if you, if, you, if you go to Egypt and you go to the, to the south uh, east of Egypt, kind of you go down, you cut across from Egypt, and you go right through the Red Sea is where it would cut across. And if you make a straight line across there on the other side of the Red Sea, kind of up to the northern part of the Red Sea, you're going to see a spot called Midian. Now, I don't think it's there in modern day, but that's where, that's where Midian would have been in the day of Moses. Now, that would have been probably, give or take, a couple, couple hundred and fifty miles as the crow flies. It may have been a little longer journey, uh, depending on how Moses went, how he had to go across the Red Sea or go around certain parts. We don't know, but Moses covered a lot of ground. It probably took him some time to get from Egypt to this land of Midian. Midian on Moses' journey, and he gets there, and he sits down at a well. In verse 16, Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. They came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Then some shepherds arrived and drove them away. 
But Moses came to their rescue and watered their flock. When they returned to their father, Raoul, he, he asked, Why have you come back so quickly today? They answered, An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered our flock. So here we, we kind of have a little bit of a glimpse of, of Moses being a deliverer, albeit this is a much smaller scale than what we're going to see in the as we continue along in the book of Exodus. But here we see Moses. He's at this well. These girls come to water their father's flock. There are some other people that come, try to bully him out of the way. And Moses, being a gentleman, it sounds like, steps up and drives these other men away so that uh, these girls can water their flock. And he steps up. He sees people. People in need, and he's able to uh, deliver them from the situation that is at hand. We kind of have just a little foreshadowing of what uh, Moses is going to do for his very own people. He is eventually, I'm going to ruin the story if you don't know it, he's eventually going to make his way back to Egypt and going to deliver his own people. But it's going to be some time that's going to pass before Moses does that. Let's see what happens in the meantime. So where is he? He asked his daughters. Why then did you leave the man behind? Invite him to eat dinner. Moses agreed to stay with the man, and he gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. She gave birth to a son whom he named, he named Gershom, for he said, I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. Now, I don't know exactly uh, what was on Moses' mind when he decided to name his child that, and he came up with the name, which means I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. But I think probably, uh, or at least my thought is that Moses is probably recognizing that he is a Hebrew, and he was in a, a land where he did not belong. And he probably had realized that at some point in time in his adult life. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us that, so we can only speculate. But I think Moses realized that he didn't belong there among Pharaoh. And as we are going to see as time goes on, he is going to realize exactly where he belongs, and that is with his very own people. After a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned because of their difficult labor, and they cried out, and their cry for help ascended to God because of the difficult labor. So we've already seen a couple of different kings, or pharaohs mentioned here. We had one king that was serving when the Israelites made it into Egypt. That king passed, and that's when we saw them uh, have really hard times. The new king that came in didn't know Joseph, who was in good standing with the former king. He made things hard on the Israelites. And now we see that that king has passed away, and there is a new pharaoh who has come into power in the land of Israel. It also says that God has heard the cries of his people. The Israelites were crying out to the Lord during this time. Now, they would have no doubt known the promise that was made through Abraham. After all, God had promised to Abraham that he was going to bless his people, that they, he was, all was going to be well, just to paraphrase there. And here are God's people and they're oppressed. They're enslaved and they are crying out to the Lord. They are praying to the Lord for deliverance. And their cry for help ascended to God because of their difficult labor. So God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God saw the Israelites 
and he took notice. Now, kind of at first glance, we may read through that, and it may appear as though all of a sudden the Israelites were crying out, and God just said, oh, wait, wait a minute, whoa, what are they doing? I didn't know they were in Egypt. Well, how did they get over there? They're enslaved. What? I don't think that God didn't know what was going on. God clearly knew what was going on, but he took notice at this time. And for whatever reason, in God's infinite wisdom and infinite plan, he knew that things needed to work out in just this way. He knew that his people needed to be enslaved for all these years in Egypt and be delivered. And I don't know why that needed to happen. But God knew what he was doing. And I don't think it's that he didn't know his people were there, or he didn't care, or he weren't listening to their prayers. But I think what we're seeing here is that it's finally God's time. It's finally God's time to do what God has wanted to do all along, and that is give his people a land of their own. Take care of them. Give them a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And that time is about to come, but it's still going to be many years away before God actually delivers his people. God saw the Israelites and he took notice. You know, sometimes it may seem like that for us, that we've prayed to God for something or we've asked for something for so long, and it may seem like God does not hear or God is not listening and our situation is getting worse and our situation is getting worse. And we can only imagine what the Israelites must have felt like. This went on for year after year after year after year. And there were probably some that gave up hope. I'm sure there were. There were probably some that were holding on to that hope, that were continuing to seek the Lord. Obviously there were. There were at least a few who were crying out to the Lord, and God was about to deliver them. Through everything that had taken place, through how they got to Egypt, to uh, Moses being found by Pharaoh's daughter, from Moses ending up in the land of Midian, all the things that had taken place, God had worked them all together to prepare Moses to be the one who would go in and deliver his people. And so far, uh, before Moses goes back to, uh, to uh, Egypt, Moses will be 80 years old. God had been working on that for a long time, not counting the countless years that the Israelites had been in Egypt before. And so, whatever we may be going through in our life, we may just need to hold on a little longer. It may be that God is preparing us for something that he wants us to do. It may be that, that God is preparing someone else for something that's going to happen in our life to make our situation better, to, to get us delivered from whatever it is we need our deliverance from. And we see through the story of Moses that God's time is not our time. And sometimes it takes God a little longer than what we would like. But we need to be patient and know that the same God that delivered his people then is the same God that we serve. And the same God who sent a deliverer to his people is the same God who sent a deliverer to us. And while Moses was the deliverer of the Israelites, Jesus Christ is our deliverer. And when we accept Jesus Christ, we're not taken from this world instantly and taken to a better place, but we have to look forward to the future. We have to look past all the things of this life, all the sins, all the sickness, all the sorrow, all the things that we suffer through. We have to look past that and look to a better future, a better future with the Lord and know that ultimately one day our deliverer is going to come. And it seems like, man, look at this world and how bad things are. Is God ever going to come back? 
Is God ever going to deliver us? You know, the Israelites were probably saying the same thing. And guess what? God sent his deliverer, and they were set free from the bondage that they were in. And through Jesus Christ, if we accept him, one day that deliverer is going to come back. He is coming back for us. And when he does, if we are his, we will be set free from all of this sin and all these things that just burden us down. We will be free of that if we accept Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your, your servant Moses and for just getting to look at his life and kind of see all of his journeys, dear Lord. We thank you uh, for calling him to be the deliverer of your people so that we can see your mighty hand at work. But we thank you more so for Jesus, for being our deliverer, dear Lord, so that it's not just something that we read on a page, but it's something that we experience, God, in our daily life through what Jesus did on the cross for us. And so, God, help us to be patient and wait for you. Maybe some of us are waiting for something now. Maybe there are things in the future that we're going to have to wait on you to do it in your time, dear Lord. And it may be 40 years like with Moses. It may be 80 years, dear Lord. But help us just to be patient and to wait on your time and do what you call us to when the time is right. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Amen.